Howdy, folks. Happy Monday. Uh, normally, I would say it, it was a uh, busy uh, weekend, and it was busy, but I got a lot of rest because the second round of the, or the, the uh, second day of the draft was so slow that I could take a nap and not miss anything. Um, okay, we'll start with the pre-show. Uh, go ahead, Russ. So let's talk again about the, uh, the NBA team that's over in Tokyo. Uh, they lost to France. And when now, when when guys are doing their hits, you know the NBA uh, coverage guys, when they're doing their hits now, they're like, well, they better run up the score against Iran because you don't want to get uh, to the point where you have to worry about making the uh, tournament and it being in the medal round. And they wouldn't guarantee a win over the Czech Republic now. And I heard something interesting, and I have to believe now. Look, I haven't watched these games, but listening to other people. There's one thing that seems to be uh, a common thread, and that is these are international refs. They don't care how much money Damian Lillard makes or what he means to the NBA, and these guys are not getting calls that they normally would get, and it seems to be throwing their game off amongst the million other things that's probably wrong about this team. Kevin, I get the feeling about this team that I did about the team that preceded the dream team, the team that made the dream team possible because – this team has been losing to everyone. I mean, they lost to Nigeria. Uh, they lost to Greece. Now they've lost to France in the first game of the Olympics. Not to say they're a disgrace, but it, I, a lot of players didn't want to go because of injury, because of COVID. And now you've got a team that's just not that good. Well, and, you know, the rest of the world has, um, you know, really, uh, you know, caught up to the uh, Americans in terms of enthusiasm about basketball. I mean, yeah. you know, if you're ever over in Europe for any reason, basketball dominates the sports pages. It's it's everywhere. They're all into the game. And it's always been a, um, you know, people want to knock off uh, America. So, you know, they always bring their best uh, effort, you know, for the Americans. And, you know, we, we have to bring our best guys. If we bring our best guys, you know, it's not the – um, it's not the same as we wouldn't see what we're seeing now. So, you know, it's okay. It's, but Kevin, all right, here's a good example. How do you talk a guy that's making $30 million a year into going because you should do this for your country. So people can be proud of our country and, and win for your country when he doesn't care. He's making 30 million a year. He'll just sit at home. Well, some, some players do care, but you do have to appeal their sense of, you know, nationalism. Um, you know, if they don't go, they don't go. I mean, you can't make a guy go, but um, you know, I, I, I don't understand it. Uh, you know, the Olympics is so much bigger than anything that we do. I mean, NBA obviously has worldwide appeal, but you know, when I hear people say that the NHL shouldn't go to the Olympics, I, I just roll my eyes because it's just so much bigger than our sport. Like, you know, the number of people who watch hockey game at the Olympics, um, it's just colossal compared to, you know, our million people that watch a game here and you know we should always want to go there and give more That's um, true. you know if players sit down and think about it, you know so but the nba i guess is a little bit different but i mean you can't make someone go but um i think players should kind of take stop stock and have a little pride and and show up i mean especially uh, i mean the biggest argument and it's a valid one is, is you don't want to get injured right. um you know cause it's your career online but you know the, the you know they do go out and they pay in the nhl's case to go to the world championships millions of dollars to 
uh, insure contracts. So I'm sure the NBA does the same thing. And and you get and if you get you know we we extrapolate to a, a major you know something like you know soccer, all the international players, I don't care how big they are, you don't opt out. They just don't. They yeah. they play. They they consider right. it to be a high honor as well. So and they're making money, more you know, money. NBA level money or more in this case. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, let's get started. We got a lot of, lot to talk about. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Monday, July 26, 2021. I'm Anthony Mangione, and that is, in fact, the correct date today. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sports Allen. Kevin Allen, Hockey Buzz. And I'm Michael Agello, and I did check my calendar, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Um, okay, we had the draft on Friday and Saturday. Um, we've had some major trades. We're going to talk about all that, but we have to talk to start with what happened at the end of the first round uh, when the Montreal Canadiens selected Logan Mayu, uh, a, a defenseman who uh, a few days before the draft had made a public statement based on an incident that happened in Sweden that he was uh, opting out of the draft. He, he didn't want any team to take him because he didn't think he deserved to be drafted based on what happened, the incident that happened. Uh, shockingly, the Montreal Canadiens at pick number 31 took Mayu. Uh, and um, I think drew a lot more fire from media, especially f uh, female uh, media members, but I think across the board, I would say across the board. It was it, it was almost solely across the board. It was Legion. It was the reaction it was, was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were we were on the air. We I was there's not many things I get legitimately shocked at anymore. And I was legitimately shocked. Uh the fact that, you know, a release was already made yes. pre very far in advance, knew, you know, let us all know that they were gonna take him at some point. Uh the and look, does the guy have talent? Sure. Well, uh, what I was what what bothered me was that his statement there was never an apology or an apology to the victim, and based on that, I don't want any part of him. If I'm right. if I if I own a team, well, okay. Here's here's the thing that I didn't realize because we were doing the show live, and um, I, I didn't realize what had happened until I heard what Elliot Friedman said yesterday on uh, the Thirty One Thoughts podcast. After that, the Chicago Blackhawks had the 32nd pick in the draft to end the first round. They had a, a group of eight women who work for the franchise to announce the 32nd pick. Friedman said, on the heels of Mayu being picked, that was the worst optic. It was cringeworthy that that, that is what followed that player's pick. And I agree. After after re recognizing what happened, that I mean, yeah, when it was live, I didn't recognize it right. that quickly. But I, not that long after when it was pointed out, I was like, you know what? Yeah, that that is bad. That now, is Kevin, bad. I want to get your uh, viewpoint on this. The, the The thing that struck me the most was Trevor Timmons, the assistant GM of the Canadians, who apparently is in charge of the draft or the head the head guy who controls the draft under Mark Bergevin, was asked. I think it was Mark Antoine Gaudin, uh, the reporter for the Athletic, asked him, you know, basically, why did you pick him when this guy said he was opting out? And Timmons froze for about twenty seconds before he put together what he answered. I mean, this. 
honestly, the 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 optics of this are absolutely terrible, and I don't understand what the Canadians were doing here. What do you think? Well, I I think what's going on here is is they th saw an opportunity to get a, a promising player, and right. they didn't even consider the optics. Um, I wondered if this was going to happen. I, it really kind of saddens me. Like I don't know uh, what you know was discussed behind the scenes or any of that. But you know, here was a guy who said, um, and again, you know, he doesn't have any right to to uh, demand that the NHL don't draft him. I mean, that's mm -hmm. uh, you know not how it works. However, um, he came out and said, "Look, it, it'd be best for all involved if I'm not drafted. I'm going to try to get my life together." He was planning to play. Uh, and probably still is uh, hockey uh, in the Ontario Hockey League in um, in London, um, but you know it, it was a chance for him to kind of I guess to, to figure out you know what uh, uh, how his wires got crossed for him to do what he did. He could deal with all his legal issues and um, you know kind of retake charge of his life, and, and you know maybe that would have a, uh, a lengthy apology. I mean, who knows what was planned on that. But the Montreal saw fit not to honor that. And I, that's the part that doesn't bother me. I mean, here's a guy that went out of his way to try to lead a, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to get this all back together again. Um, the one thing that I, I was a little bit concerned about is, is that, um, as, as Russ said, there was no apology. But also, you know, now this story has become about him as opposed to about the victim. Yeah. Um, yeah so I... Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm troubled by it. There's, there's no, no doubt about it. There's a couple things, too. If this happened in Canada, he would be a felon because it's, it's against the law in Canada. Mm -hmm. In Sweden, there's no law. So they're still investigating and nothing may happen. So there's that. That's, that complicates things. And to answer the chat room, this really isn't about cancel culture because if he were taking all the right steps, said all the right things, and got drafted next year, he wouldn't get cancel culture. But he didn't. And it's not happening that way. Right. And so now it further complicates the situation. It's really not up to the Canadians either to straighten his life out. It's up to him. So the fact that they're saying they're going to help him every step of the way, that's enabling. You have yeah. to, the person has to do it. That's damage control is what it is. And, yeah. and, 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 and this, this, this is the thing. Uh, and Friedman uh, spelled this out. There are mechanisms in Major League Baseball and in the NBA for a player to say, don't draft me, I'm taking myself out of the draft, and that player is ineligible to be drafted. So if that is a mechanism, that should be a mechanism in the NHL. They 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 basically copy most of the stuff the NBA does anyway, so why not do that? I mean, if, I think that would have been better for all concerned. Now, there have been there are people who said, Russ, and then we'll move on from this, there are people who said that probably – um, it would have been better if had he been picked maybe in the fourth or fifth round because then there would have been some ramifications for a player doing this, somebody who was a first round talent. He, you know, he was punished in the sense that he's not going to get a, the contract that a first round pick would get, that that hurt him financially. And that was that was the punishment. But he didn't even get that because Montreal took him at 31. Yeah, I don't even agree with the fourth or fifth round no. choice there. It doesn't matter. The minute you draft him, it, that it's wrong. It's, it becomes a little problem. Again, I don't care what round it is. It right. becomes the, it becomes the story of your draft. 
Right. It just does. Whatever you, whatever you've done prior to that, whether it's trades, whether no, no matter what your first, second, third round pick is, that becomes the main story. No matter where he's taken. Yeah. All right. Now, since we have Kevin for the first half hour of the show, let's talk about the trades that happened, and then we'll talk. Russ, Anthony, and I will talk about the draft mm-hmm. after Kevin has to drop off. Uh, Kev, starting with the Buffalo Sabers, they pulled off two of the three moves. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was guaranteed that they'd get one done, and they did with Rasmus Ristolainen going to Philadelphia for Hag a first and a second. Uh, the deal that they made with Florida was not as good in my eyes for Kevin Adams getting uh, uh, Devin Levi and a first round pick for Sam Reinhardt. Uh, what? How do you think Kevin Adams did? Oh well, it was a real split decision. Um, I thought he won the trade for Ristolainen. and um, you know, getting a, a first round pick, getting a, a second, and Hank's a very useful defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really like that trade from. Buffalo's perspective for a guy that wanted out. Um, um, and, you know, I didn't mind it for Philadelphia because they're upgrading their their mm-hmm. defense, but I, I just thought they gave up too much for it. Uh, but I just hated the, uh, uh, from the Buffalo perspective, the Reinhardt deal. I mean, this guy is a proven goal scorer in the National Hockey League. And, you know, they got a first round pick. He was like the second pick in the draft. Um, and and they, they got a pick where it's going to be, it's going to be probably be a late first round pick. And, and um, Russ, so I, sorry, go ahead. And go ahead. Russ, I, I heard uh, again, Elliot Friedman was uh, reported that with the Sabres, the important thing was the first round pick. It wasn't the prospect. It was. No, the it wasn't Devin pick. Levi. It was the first so, round pick. So, so Devin Levi was the oh by the way, and I'm not to say he's not a good. It couldn't be. Could be a good goaltender, but you know all the all the 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 uh, uh, speculation about Lundell or. Or uh, on Tippett or whoever, that wasn't in, in their agenda. Their agenda was to get a first in that deal. And to me, okay, Rosino did the right thing for his guy by saying, yeah. "Hey, Spencer Knight's there. Uh, Devin Levi going at least gives him some sort of chance because Spencer Knight's going to be the guy forever." But the fact that they weren't asking for Devin Levi also makes me dislike this trade greatly. Now, Anthony, on the for the Philadelphia side, I mean. They've apparently loved Ristolina for a number of years. They'll, and pair this along with the, the, the Ellis deal. Chuck Fletcher pulled off a difficult thing. He got and he paid a hefty price for it, but he got yes, two he top four right-handed defensemen, and that is like finding two gold bars. It is, and I mean, we know the Ellis is pretty much that deal was universally praised across the board. Um, the Ristolainen deal is obviously far more complicated and, you know, it, it really shows the, you know, a, a very stark disparity between how the NHL scouting community views Ristolainen versus how the uh, microstat analytic community, uh, and it is a very wide gulf between yes. the two. Uh, with that, um, when you're looking at a guy like Ristolainen, they have had interest in him going all the way back, honestly, to, as we stated before on Off the Post, to his draft year. Uh, they they wanted him even back then. So they've always had their eyes on him in some form or another over the last, over the, uh, over pretty much over the span of his career. That said, um, the cost of the first round pick is the one that really, I think is what probably shades this deal more than anything. I think if it was Philly had dealt their 46th pick mm-hmm. and a second round pick next year plus Hag, um, it still would have been some 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 criticism of the deal, but probably not as pointed as it was. Now there have been reports of 
other teams also in the mix with first round picks. I know Pierre LeBron reported it that there was uh, as well. Wouldn't be. Yeah, I'm not going to say specifically which teams, but um, there was a competition for him. And again, Chuck Fletcher had mentioned this in prior press conferences how trying to get a right shot top four defenseman is extremely difficult. He also drew the comparison of at the trade deadline, what it took for Tampa to get David Savard. It took him a first and it took him a third. Now you can turn around and say, okay, though, that's the end of the first round. But you didn't know that at the time. What happens if Tampa would have, uh, you know, been, been parked in the first round? You just don't know. So that is the cost at age 26. Um, but, he, you know, he has one, they have one more year, obviously, involved with the contract of $5.4 million. Um, we're going to see. Uh, he's going to have he's going to have his opportunities. There's definitely some rebuilding that's going to be involved here uh, for him, but we're going to see. But it's it, there's definitely some point of criticism. I think rightfully so. But I think based off of the other options that were available, I I I, I am willing to take a look and see what Ristolainen can do, especially paired with someone like Travis Sanheim. Now moving, uh, well, I was going to say, Mike, I I want to comment on this too. My main issue with this trade, I do feel like it was an overpayment. Sure. Yes. I do like Ristolainen, but the fact that there was no discussion even of what he might want to earn beyond this kind of makes me think the Flyers are still unsure what he is and don't want to spend the wrong amount of money. But then they paid a lot for a guy that they you know could easily walk away. So that's the risk of the deal. I think if they like him, Russ, they about, they'll, they'll, they'll start talking contract around December or January. Uh, and if they're in the playoff mix, then they'll keep him. And if they if they if they don't. Uh, if they're not in the playoff mix, they could flip them to get back some assets. So sure. uh, stick, sticking with the Flyers, Kevin, uh, the Flyers pulled off another major move. And one that was that surprised me, uh, trading Voracek to Columbus for Cam Atkinson. I, you know, I think and I think a lot of people thought that Voracek's contract was a boat anchor uh, at eight, eight and a quarter million. But, um, you know, and Atkinson is a very effective forward. I was really surprised there was no money retained and that the Flyers got back Atkinson for Voracek. Yeah, that was a big win, in my opinion, for uh, Chuck Fletcher. Um, I, I think you do have to factor in that uh, Voracek was a very popular Blue Jacket when he was there. Now, that was a long time ago. He's not the same player, but he was. He was very popular with the fan base, and I think there is some – desire to do some goodwill here uh, in that regard. Um, and I, I, I like the fact uh, that Cam Atkinson, um, he, he does more than Voracek. You know, he's a penalty killer. Um, you know, I think he's a far more, uh, he's a better scorer to be sure. Um, and uh, offensively, Voracek still is productive, but, you know, he's not the goal scorer that he once was. And I, I think he'll get more goals out of Atkinson. The only issue with Atkinson uh, in recent years, has been injuries, um, but you know that's usually bad luck. I, I don't believe in players being injury prone. Um, so uh, I, you know, I, I I don't mind it from from Columbus. I think they felt like they needed to do something. Um, but the 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 uh, three years of Voracek at over eight million, probably uh, next year they're going to start to feel that a little bit. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Russ. I was going to say what I like on this from the Philly end is they they do get a guy who covers a few other things that they didn't have covered. I, you know, they're going to have to make up the assists that Voracek gets. There's, you know, there's no doubt he gets a fair amount, but I think, I think they could do a good job of that, especially if they get a little bit more from the blue line this year. That's, you know, that could make up the difference there. Uh, the Columbus part worries me, not because they got Voracek. Like I think Voracek will be okay there, 
I don't think he'll ever be what he was two, three years ago, but I think he'll be a decent player. But there's just too many guys now. You're wondering what they can do. Him, line A. There's just – even Roslovic at this point, there's probably four or five guys in that lineup that it's all questionable what they might produce. I believe that Voracek has basically been acquired – one of the biggest reasons why he's been acquired is to – as much as a reclamation for 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 to help Patrick Line along, he's a playmaker. At the end of the day, he's a playmaking winger. He's gonna yeah. find he's gonna find Line A. So that that's pretty much the biggest reason why he's being acquired. I think more than anything. And again, yeah. uh, just just to echo obviously what was said about Atkinson in this case. Um, yeah, I mean, I fully expected when the trade was announced one for one that there was going to be some level of salary retention from Philadelphia when it, when it was announced that it wasn't. Uh, that made it unquestionably, in my mind, a um, pretty much a slam dunk deal for Philadelphia. Well, um, it, if you look, if you look at the the money overall in terms of cap hit, uh, Voracek is twenty four point seven five million for th- over three years, and uh, um, Atkinson is a little under twenty four million over four years. So, in a way. It's a it's a balance, but of course, because it's three years and it's eight and a quarter, it's more of a cap hit for for Columbus, and that that doesn't matter for Columbus because they're a budget team. So that right that for a bad. team like but for a team like Philadelphia, who really who who is who is especially after taking on the you know the year remaining on risk the Linens deal after trading off for cap space already with Shane Goss's bear. Right. Uh, for and also, I mean, it's much of much of anything giving up you know picks and that you know second round pick in that deal hurts probably just as much from Philly's perspective, at least in terms of the long term. I look at it again from from what – the big thing is the one knock, I guess, and I don't want to call it a knock, the Flyers are, with the exception of potentially Wade Allison, are not very big on the right side. That's so you true. have two players with Atkinson who, again, I know Kevin says, you know, Kevin said it's a product of bad luck, but he is a high – as we all know, Atkinson's a high-motor player. And he's going to physically engage, and he's a good chance that he's going to get dinged. I think he's a better overall player in terms of the four, full 200-foot game. Yeah, that's something that's going to be a major, I think, a major benefit for Philadelphia. I, I, I do think that I think they it, it would be wouldn't be a bad idea for them. They need to if they're looking at free agency here. Size is going to come into a come into play here. I think for their forward unit. I think I think Russ he, Atkinson's a high motor guy. Uh, he's always struck me as that, and I think Flyer fans will love that. You know, not not to say Voracek was like slow and lumbering. He wasn't slow, but he, you know, bigger guys. It, it's tougher for them to show. He, yeah, he show. makes mistakes. He make the problem with Jake is this: is that Jake is a high. It plays plays a very high risk game in he the does. neutral zone. The biggest issue is he doesn't. I, I he, sometimes he tries things. He's he need he needed to some way adapt his game when he tries to charge through the zone and try to make you know 15 moves and get and he just doesn't have that complete doesn't have that quick twitch uh speed that he used to have mm-hmm. he gets he just gets pickpocketed a lot in the neutral zone and causes more strain to the defense coming back um so while you lose size with Voracek um he just wasn't being used the way he was uh in the past because again Flyers don't exactly play that way anymore where he, they're having him lug the puck into the zone like they used to. Yeah, I'll tell you one guy that if he were to come into camp and look great and had a good first, a good start in uh, in Lehigh, Isaac Ratcliffe could give him that size. We'll see what he looks like this year. Yeah, we need to see what he looks like, though, because, again, he is oh, a yeah. – I think he's still very much in the in the long-term project range. He probably is, uh, but you never know. I'm just saying – 
he could figure in. The, it's possible he could figure in the next. But he's yeah, got I, other. I, it's a long yeah. shot, believe me. Yeah. Uh, another, that. another big deal involving one of those teams, which was uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, was the deal uh, for Seth Jones. Uh, Seth Jones going along with a first and sixth. Uh, to Columbus for Adam Boquist, a first, a second, and a conditional first. So um, now I'll, I'll say this. I, I, I love Seth Jones as a defenseman. He's a really, really good two-way guy. Uh, I think he can score more than he has the last couple years. Um, you know, I, I think he can be dominant on defense. He's, you know, he's durable. He's rangy. He's, he can eat up minutes. I, I like everything about him. But nine and a half million dollars is insane. It really is. I mean, I mean, okay, we're talking about Eric Carlson at I think eleven five or twelve five. I think it's something eleven five. I think it's eleven five. Uh, Drew Doughty at ten, PK Subban at nine, and and Seth Jones at nine and a half. I, I don't know. You know what this is like? To me, this is like you walked into a car dealership, or you didn't even walk into a car dealership. You did it online. You bought a car at list price. Nobody buys a car at list price, right. but the Blackhawks did. They paid the highest possible price salary-wise, and they paid a really high price trade-wise. Did did they get the did they get the mats? No, that's the part about this that they, they didn't even get. Well, maybe they did. Maybe I got the, the mats. My vehicle, damn it! <laughs> yeah, maybe with the thirty-second pick, they did get the mats, Mike. But otherwise, they did pay a really steep price all around the bases. And look, I get that there's some you know defensive deficiencies in Adam Boquist. But he is going to run a pro power play, and he's going to be really good at it, and he's really fast. So the difference between him and Jones is, yeah, there's physicality, and you can give more minutes to Jones, but you really paid a lot for that, a lot. And it's an, they're in a, and again, Chicago is in a very strange, I guess, way of their what their current cycle is. You would look at Jones as like a guy who's going to, and again, you could argue and say, well, he's twenty, you know, he's young. So you can, you know, at age 20, he's 26, correct? I yeah. believe he's 26 years old. So you could say, you know, as Chicago is sort of in the process of going through their changes. But this is a, a deal like this, though, is a signal that they think they're going to be, you know, right in the mix. And that Jones, yeah. yeah and, and, and it's a mix. To, and again, it may be, but it's, again, how is Taze going to be coming back? I mean, they have some interesting parts, Chicago. Their but goalie going to be? Do we know their goalie is definitely going to have another really good year? We don't know that. I mean, yeah. No, we, I, we, we I, they're supposedly in the goaltending market. Uh, one of the rumors out there is Mark Andre Fleury to the to Chicago because he's only got a year left. That would probably mean, um, you know, Vegas retaining and uh, Vegas just re-signed Al Alec Martinez at five million bucks. Yep. So. You you have to expect that there's a, there's going to be somebody traded out of Vegas because they just don't I don't even with that contract I don't think they have the room. No, um, they don't have the room. Now, just uh, ancillary to to uh, the Jones trade, um, we saw two contracts over the last week. Uh, Kale McCarr at nine million for six years, and, yep. and uh, Miro Heiskanen at eight four five for eight years. Yeah, price of poker is going up. Um, but that doesn't seem, Russ, that that's affecting Dougie Hamilton because now supposedly Dougie Hamilton is going, maybe going back to Carolina, you know, that he's not getting the feelers out there that the market. No, actually, he, there's interest in New Jersey. Mike. He uh, could be that's what I heard. Yeah, New Jersey was mentioned. Yeah, uh, he could be a New Jersey guy now. So I mean, I think they have a ton of cap space. 
Precisely. And whether, again, whether or not that's a lot of basically noise to try to get Carolina to move closer to what Dougie's looking for. But New Jersey's got to be looking probably to try to uh, to make a splash here. If they can sign Hamilton, that will be a big splash for them. You know, it, so there's two things. Um, Hamilton would be a good signing for New Jersey. And, yeah. and it might teach a lesson to Carolina that not send your best player out there just to see if he can get a contract because that's, that's dangerous in any business, in any life. And just in life. But the um, the other part about this is Kale McCarr could turn into the best defenseman in the NHL. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to hear people saying he's overpaid. He hasn't even won a Norris. Look, if you're trying to tell me Adam Fox is better than Kale McCarr, I'm going to shoot it down every time. Is Adam Box Fox a better defender? Yes. Is Adam Fox going to get points? Yes. Is he really, really good? Yes. But Kale McCarr is a dip on a different level offensively. And he's still good defensively. It's not like Cal McCarr is bad defensively. So I think this is just a way of sort of being able to afford Cal McCarr either before he wins in Norris or before he has a crazy kind of year where, you know, he's putting up 80 points. Yeah, and uh, Funky in the chat was, uh, of course, uh, throwing a jab about Morgan Riley. I mean, I'm sure Morgan Riley is very happy because he'll be one of the big free agents UFAs mm -hmm. next year. But – Morgan Riley will be 27, so in the same range as Hamilton. And Hamilton, maybe, you know, if it's if it's New Jersey, he's going to get probably seven, seven and a half million. That's probably the range that Riley is going to get. So I I don't think oh, that. Another, but the thing is, with another year in hand there, it may or may, it, it may not be. Right. I do want to defend Morgan Riley here for a second because I do feel like if he was with a different franchise, he would have more uh, and more offensive role and be more of a power play guy than he's been with Toronto as far as being the lead guy and being able to really get more points. I don't look at Morgan Riley's points and say he's declining as a defenseman because I believe he could have gotten these points all along. He just hasn't been able to. And I will bet you anything, uh, Russ, that next year their point guy and their power play will be Rasmus Sandin right. and, because – you know, he's a rookie and he's really good on the power play, but it also will keep the points on Riley down in his walk year. Yeah. I think they're going to, I think they're going to try ask Kyle Dubas a question uh, in his press availability on Saturday regarding Riley. And they hadn't talked uh, to uh, CAA, uh, JP Berry is his agent. I said Pat Brisson, but they're both in the same agency. So forgive yeah. me. Um, but uh I, it's on the agenda. I think they're going to talk about it in August. I think they want to be proactive and get him locked up. Otherwise, you risk your number one defenseman walking in free agency like Zach Hyman is apparently going to walk now uh, to Edmonton. Um, and uh, Matthew, uh, that Felino thing was a fake account, which I fell victim to in a, amongst a number of people. So uh, Edmonton doesn't have the money to give $4.5 wow. to Nick Felino after giving $5.5 million. And, and I have to say – I, I I really I I support Kyle Dubas and what he said in his uh, availability regarding the Oilers. You're doing the Oilers a big favor if you take the eighth year, if you spread yep. the AAV out to make, to make it a five million dollar deal instead of a five and a half million dollar deal. So that means you pay that team something tangible for make that. Make it worth my while. To right. And that's what he said. So now and they're going to spend more on them AAV-wise. And that yeah. and one year less, and that's the way it goes. That's, yep. that's so the risk I, that they took. 
you know, if that if, if that's what Ken Holland wants to do because he's traded half of his draft picks and he can't afford to give up a third round pick or something like that for for Zach Hyman, that's that's his prerogative and it's the Leafs' prerogative not to do them a favor because they'll be in competition with them amongst twenty nine other teams or thirty other teams, and and cap room is king. So, yep. um, okay, just a couple other things and then we'll talk about the draft. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes give up on Jake Bean before really ever giving him a real chance for a second round pick, Yarmo strikes again. This is a great trade. I don't know if Jake Bean's going to turn out to be a great defenseman, but I do know that the, that the Carolina Hurricanes, they constantly mismanage their prospects. And this is somebody who I thought never got an opportunity in Carolina, Russ. And now, you know, if he comes back and stabs them in the back by playing well in, in Columbus, it just makes the Hurricanes look stupid. It does, and again, I think Ron Francis missed an opportunity here too because he could have taken him for a second. But again, we'll leave that alone. I like Jake Bean. I think Jake Bean will be very good in this league. I, I think Yarmo knows that. I think he he was more – Yarmo doesn't give up seconds like they're going out of style either. So just we have to understand that yes. uh, he had a pretty good idea of what he was getting there, especially based on what he's been – what he's losing. I think so at the this, end – yeah. At the end of the day – yeah. At the end of the day, they acquired, in my mind, a top four defenseman. I don't know if he's top. He's not. I'm not going to go as far as say top pair for Jake Bean. No, no, we don't want to say that. But, but a good, you know, if you got him partnered with a solid defensive, like defensive defenseman yeah. partner, I think you get a lot. Of, you get a lot of mileage out of Bean. He's a number three, number four. But for a second round pick, you do that deal. Oh yeah. Uh, if, yeah. So. No, it's okay. Um, all right, let's talk about the draft, Russ. Uh, just just give a mention to Owen Power. It, it, you know, it, it, yeah, it was the obvious best pick. I mean, I think you know, but uh, it does sound like he's going to go back to Michigan. It he's does, going back. It doesn't sound like the the Sabers have any problem with that. Um, Even if they did, Mike, they wouldn't say it publicly. Right. That was a lose lose if you say it publicly. So it's good that they've said we don't have a problem with it because that's the best way to roll with it. Because they might get him at the end of the season anyhow. Right. Uh, Michigan's out of it. Now, uh, what do you? What did you think of how the top part of the first round unfolded? Well, I thought McTavish went a little high. I mean, everybody could say that's a Murray pick, and that's great. I think now the greasier – he's a really good goal scorer down low. Don't get me wrong. He can skate and he plays defense. I get all that. Were there more talented guys on the board? Yes. Is William Eklund more talented than Mason McTavish? Yes. Uh, so, you know, there was – we're now overvaluing, I think, those other intangibles. And, and we saw that, you know, again, with the number 10 pick. I Look, I had no problem with Tyler Boucher. I had a long interview with him. I really think a lot of him. I watched a lot of video on him. And he has good hands and he can score down low. And his skating needs a little work. And But he wants to put people through the wall. And, you know, he used the word finish him like he's a character out of Mortal Kombat, like Luke Kiang or somebody like that. And, and I get it. I mean, I get it, but I can't draft him 10th there. I should have moved down and gotten him later. Don't tell me other teams wanted him in that spot, but that's just draft stuff. They did, don't you? Don't don't you know? I, 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 there's certain things I I, I swear, and Russ. I, we should there should be while we cover the draft, we should do a draft bingo game. We should for all the for all the recycled lines for yes. certain things that are done. Oh, we heard you know. 15 teams behind were ready to take him. Drink. Yeah, everybody wanted him. Everybody no. wanted him. Drink. <laughs> Look, and, and again, where he got taken is not a reflection of the player. 
I just want to say that. Uh, the fact that I don't know how anybody could pan the Simon Evanson pick to the Red Wings. I don't know how people could even. Oh, if you were really locked in on William Ackland at that spot. Yeah, yeah I get it. I get it. But you know what? If you decided, you, and I don't think he, and, and this is one, look, there's plenty of things we'll talk about where I think guys, there were guys taken in the third round because they were six foot six. I get it. And I, and I don't think it's smart, but he's not taken just because he's big. He's big. He's got an offensive shot. He hits people. He not only plays with an edge, but he also has a little finesse in his game. Yes, his skating needs a little work. So do a lot of players, 90% of the players. But if that's your knock on Simon Evanson, trust me, I, I've been very impressed. I do think the Sharks got a steal in Eklund, and I do think he is going to be one of those guys that we're going to look back on this five years from now and say, how did this happen? And then we're going to have to realize now that the era that we're in and what the temperature of the league is at this draft. And that is, hey, we want to have enough height. We want to have enough weight behind a guy. We want to be hard to play against. If I had to hear hard to play against a thousand more times, it's drink, like, drink. I know, but these guys are, you know, three to five years away. I, I think that um, Arizona did really well getting Gunther ninth. I think that's a little tumble that, was yeah, a bit more no, than I, I gotta say, was it because I thought Gunther was a lot of most people had him at the back end of the first, the first. Well, all right, right, so it depends what people I guess you're talking to, but I, I think that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I wasn't surprised with Kosa based on what Brad Allen told no, us, about. Not especially. Yeah, I was a little surprised that the Rangers went with uh Brendan Othman because they were kind of valuing goal scoring when I've been told they were re I and somebody and he would elbow, he'll elbow somebody right. in the face. No, they they really like Oathman though. I know I, that I for a fact. I, I like Lucius that. better. I think Lucius is a better no, player. I completely agree with you. I love the Lucius pick at that by, was by great. And Winnipeg is over the moon about it. I can tell Absolutely. you that from the but, should be, and they should be. That was but, one of my picks. I mean Absolutely. We, we have for those who listened to our off the post draft special, Brad was one of the few people who had Kosa listed ahead of Wallstead. Mm -hmm. And Kosa went 15 to Detroit, and uh, Wallstead went 20. 20 to Minnesota. And by the way, Edmonton fans apparently were legion in their uh, being pissed off that uh, they traded down and allowed Minnesota to take uh, Wallstead. Of course, the thing is, I would look at that and say, are you, are you, I get that, but it's not like Wallstead's playing for you this year. No. He's not going to solve your goaltending problem this year, next year. Maybe three years down the line, possibly, and who knows what your situation will be at that point with uh, with McDavid and whatever else may be going on at that yeah. point. Yeah, I thought that the means, that being said, I think he was he should he, they should have stuck and took him. The answer is yes, Mc, but Mc, don't anticipate that this this is a guy who's going to be in already. By that time, McDavid will be wearing blue and white, uh, Anthony. Uh, but <laughs> I was going to say, I thought the Abs got a steal on Oscar Olafson. I love Zach Dean at the end of that round. I do. I'm a, I have him higher than most, but I this guy can play. I think people are going to be surprised down the road. But I do want to have um, a little thing with Anthony because I think it'll be interesting for Flyers fans, if you don't mm -hmm. mind, Ant. So with their pick of um, Samuel Tuamala, mm -hmm. now he is a guy that some projected for the first round. I didn't, but that's not because he's not good. I think – and I use this word a lot on on Sirius. This was a draft where there were more there was more projection used than any other previous draft because you only had the year before, maybe this, the year two years removed, and then whatever little runway you had this year on a player. So obviously the U18s counted a lot um, for some players, but with um, with Tumala and you know, and I did get a chance to speak to him. 
they went for goal scoring here. Yeah, and yeah. speed, and also his and speed. speed as well. They, want, they, wanted speed. A, they wanted a speedy goal scorer, and it's um, and they really went for goal scoring here because yeah. they were like, we feel like this guy, if he develops, and of course he says, I'm like, I would like to be like David Pasternak. So would everybody. But and, and listen for the chat room. Yeah, wherever Pasternak went in that draft in the 20s, he was a known commodity. It's just that there were teams that didn't want to take a chance on a skinny check kid. That's really what it boiled down to. And now, he looks, like now, now he looks like a tank. So, so yeah, much and now he's like a tank. He's and he's got one of the best shots in the league. But I do think that's what they were going for, Ant. But I know you were, you had eyes on a different player. I did. I, I, I and I like the pick. Don't get me wrong. But there, but you had but literally right after him was Logan Stankoven, and yeah. Stankoven. If you're sort of in pursuit, and I don't want to use I don't want to use the word call call field heel, but there are some whispers of his game that remind me a little bit of Caulfield. Okay, I, thought, I don't think he has the shot of him, but he can score. He, is he a can good score. That's the thing. Yeah. I look at him in that respect that he's a scorer. But that being again, Tomal is also capable. Tomal is also capable of scoring as well. So that's why ultimately for me, I'm okay. I'm fine with the pick. But had they said Logan Stankoven, I thought that would have been out. I thought that would have been even better for them. Yeah, I mean, I knew Lysel would drop. I told people I thought, hey, the Bruins got a heck of a guy there in the sense that his speed is really great and his shot is tremendous. And I even asked Eklund about him, and Eklund had played on the national team with him and was impressed with him. So that's a guy where you know things happen and guys drag, can drop in a draft, and you know that's a hell of a player. Uh, Mike, you know, the Leafs, I thought, did good with their first pick. Yeah, Matthew – is it Matthew Nyes or Nyes? Nyes. Nyes. I mean, the physical package is there, but he also showed that, you know, in, in the USHL that um, he he could score. And he's going to the University of Minnesota, which is a very good program. So, you know, 6'3", 210-pound left winger. Uh, with, with who can skate, which is important. I think that's a good pick. It's a good developmental pick. I mean, he's not going to be in the NHL for two or three years at least. So, uh, but I think it was a good it was a good move. One, uh, just to bring up a couple things here, the the Sabers after, and I, we brought this up with Joe Yerden yesterday on the Off the Post uh, show. The Sabers strangely, after taking power, took I think it was six straight wingers. Yeah. Uh, they took a lot of they took five Russians. But normally they haven't gone, uh, you know, gone to Russia for draft picks. Um, a lot of that I think is because the development of those players are going to be solely the responsibility of the Russian teams. It's not going to cost the Sabers a thing for two or three years. So that I think was their motivation. Plus Russia. Well, yeah, it, let's say they were all CHL players. You have to take them the next next year after you draft them. You've got to sign them to their ELC, right? Even if they're not playing, they're going to, you know, these are things you don't have to do with college players, with players from Finland, from Sweden, and also from Russia. And the fact that they did so many from there made me think, yeah, they're going on the slow burn here because they don't want to lay out a lot of potential money on young players. That's what they're telling me. So yeah, all right. just going back to the first round, we talked about this, but I think it's just worth mentioning again. Uh, I think the biggest shock for Russ and I, other than the Mayu pick, was Tyler Boucher at number 10. And I think, okay, um, what he is in terms of a player, I think is something is something that a lot of teams were looking for, which is a big physical winger. He, you know, he is somebody who he's an initiator. Yeah, he's in it, right. He's somebody who not idolizes, but sees himself in the Tom Wilson mold. 
Uh, that is why I think Ottawa took him there. But they had a bunch of second round picks that they probably could have gotten him there. So that's the reason I just, you know, I mean, usually, I, Ottawa you know, I don't know if I'm going to go that far and say it would have been in the second round. There's a, I think there's a chance that Boucher would have been picked sometime during the Maybe. first round. Yeah, I think he would have been and, late and, first. And, in that respect, and if it's late first and you feel it and you feel, and, and I'm always, I, I'm in wait and see mode with Boucher. I always feel like even when a guy looks like he may be a bit of reach, and maybe Boucher is in this circumstance, you feel strongly enough about him in the room. Yeah. In in your in your draft room. And you feel that this is, you know, when you look at what you already have and how you may project things out going forward. I'm not gonna knock it was a surprise, but I'm not going to knock Ottawa for the pick. I'm just not. Well, I'm not. See, okay, I'm not knocking them for picking the player. I'm knocking them for picking the player where they pick. Right, yeah, but again, if you, think, if you think by if you're that strong on him, yeah, and you think he's going to be gone before right. you get a chance to pick in the second round, right? Unless you have a unless you have a deal in your pocket to move back. Or, and get some picks and then be able to take him maybe a little further back, maybe in the teens or or in that circumstance where you don't want to go too far back. I think if they made that move and they draft Boucher, we go, okay. I I, I think it would have been easy for relatively easy for them to pair the two second round picks that they had to move up to the bottom of the first round. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I wanna, I, go ahead. I was gonna say I want to answer something in the chat room because somebody had said in here that. They saw Eklund working out and maybe, you know, his frame is maxed out. Even if that is true, Quinn Hughes in the last two years has scored 95 points. He weighs 170 pounds. Right. Why in the world are you worried about that? With this guy's skating and elusiveness, why are you worried about that? See, I'm I, 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 I would look at it the opposite. I'm looking at his frame. He's maxed out. I'm looking at saying, good to see the kid is that phys you know, dedicated to his physical fitness and there being ready to play. That's how I would look at him. I'm looking at oh, the way to look at it. So he's never going to get bigger than that. I, I had a I had a Leaf fan contacting me uh, this morning. You know, ripping ripping them for taking uh, the kid that they took in the fifth round, Ty Voigt. And it meant, okay, Ty Voigt may never play a game in the NHL, right? But you know, he's he scored 28 points in the in, in the OHL with Sarnia as a 16 year old. He's got really good speed. He's got really good skill. It's a fifth round pick. I'm gonna you know put, we need to put up the we honestly need to put up the Shane Malloy tape recording I of the know. percentages. Like every single time that happens, Great. just play it. You know, with Shane's inimitable voice. Yeah. you have to have it here and in his you voice. You have to have the voice. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, you know, give, me, give me my NHL draft dice. So I could roll them and see, you know, what I get out of that. I, I have, I have no, I have no problem with an organization taking a skilled kid who's maybe a little undersized in the fifth round. Just like I don't have a problem if it's the prerogative of these organizations to take a a big kid like a Daniel Chaika, uh, you know, because they think the trend in the NHL is going toward the big. That's player. Daniel Chaika is the kind of pick that I worry about because right. he's got just enough offense in his game, but with the the height and and the strength that he has that everybody's thinking, well, if he gets out there, he'll be really but his skating stinks and stinks right. to the point where it's going to need major work. It's not like if, just he's, if, he, if he's going to make it to the league, he, I mean, he's probably, you're probably looking at potentially a bottom pair guy. Yeah. Now so it's just like these kinds of guys. And that's why I don't want to point out a lot of them by name, but, but some of these picks are head scratchers in the sense. And look, I get it. It's a hard year to pick. It is. So I'm not going to be overly critical of anybody or any team uh, because at the end of the day, we didn't get a lot to see. So, right. you know, that has a lot to do with it. Now, D'Angelo, Mike, someone asked about him. And yeah, so no, 
I do think he'll be picked up. If I had to guess who, I mean, that's a tough one because I'm trying to think of a team that just doesn't care besides Montreal. So let's let's move Montreal aside. I think they've got enough issues. Um, they were supposedly interested in him back during the season. I know, but now I think now, yeah, with everything that, else going on that we they may have a uh, if a they had, if they hadn't had him already, Russ, I would have said Arizona because they have no defenseman, but they've already had him. So right, and, right. So it won't be it won't be Arizona. Uh, San Jose. You know, it could be. I don't think it's going to be San Jose. We know. We know. Well, we, we know. San Jose. We know. San Jose has been willing to take players with questionable histories, like Ryan Merkley, who. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you know they might be willing if they think that there's something recoupable there. Quick question. Sure. Speaking of speaking of Ryan Merkley, is Nick Merkley related to him? No, I checked. No, no. I, was one, I'm, I was wondering when I saw the I, trade I, I thought, yeah, yeah. about whether or not this was a hey, let's have another. Uh, I the same thing, Anthony. That's why I looked it up on Elite Prospect. Not, not, thanks, appreciate I'll it. Give yeah, you a team. I'll it. give you a team, the Vancouver Canucks, because I think they're so desperate for help on the blue line yeah. that they may overlook yeah. and try and hope that Tony has learned his lesson. So, yes. so I think I think they might be the team. Uh, he's gonna. He, it, it, I. I See, they're, they're, I, I Toronto might do it, but man, they're gonna. That fan base is. Gonna, I, I, I don't think. I don't think Toronto, fan base is gonna pin their ears back if they move no, that. Anthony, I don't think Toronto would do that. I really don't. Um, no, I'm Toronto, Vancouver. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking Vancouver. I'm sorry. No, not, no Toronto. Tor I, I do think. That, I do think that Edmonton might do it because of their defensive situation. Because they, mm -hmm. you know, they, they. I think they're desperate and they probably don't have a ton of cap space after signing Hyman. So. Um, yeah, I mean, believe me, I thought there would be teams that might give a shot to Slava Voyanov, but uh, that and that's you know that's not going to happen now because I think a few years. I mean, ago, that's way worse than than what D'Angelo. Precisely, right. and also we're at the point now I think where we're looking at Voynov and going. He's he's also just yes between the heinousness of what he did. He hasn't been he, in the NHL for. A he while. hasn't been in the NHL for a long time. Yeah, he's thirty three yeah. now, so I think. Yeah, yeah I, I think he's. It would, his window, his window in the NHL is, is closed, which means now, somebody, which means somebody late in the offseason will attempt to sign him. No, I just, I'll just, I'll just bring this up because it's, it's funny that, um, because I was following the, uh, just you know, going along here in terms of uh, the trades that were made, and something popped up on Cap Friendly, and I just tweet, I just tweeted it out. It's a my, it's an absolutely minor deal, Russ, but JD, JD, JD Greenway, who was a Toronto pick in 2016 uh the same draft as austin matthews who um transferred after he had to wait sit out a year and go to play in the ushl i think as a 20 year old yeah that's right and then transferred to the university of maine um and he's a defenseman uh, his brother uh uh is is a forward Jordan. And he just got his rights just got traded to the Boston Bruins for quote future considerations, which mean you know the Leafs weren't going to sign him. Uh, yeah. I I believe you know the reason they're not going to sign him is because he is a Mark Hunter draft pick, and I don't think that they saw the, the, the any you know in terms of you know him being fleet of foot that he would never be able to. But the Bruins are going to take a chance. I mean, maybe they, maybe he'll get an AHL contract or something like that. But they got him for future considerations. There's a little bit there, like. Again, when we had Lou Lamorello on, on Hockey Prospect Radio, I spoke to him about a play that he made yes. while playing for Team USA, and it was amazing, right? 
So when you see a guy make a play like that, you're like, okay, this guy is a talented athlete. If he could somehow learn the position and put it together, right? maybe there's something. So the Bruins are like, hey, you know what? This is worth a shot. Yeah. We, could, we could let him play for two, three years in Providence. If we ever get to call him up, Right. And get anything out of them, it's worth it. So it's, it's I think what, that's what they're looking at. Yeah, it's what Tampa Bay did with Sean Day. They signed yeah. him to a, to a, to a, a pro contract and just let's see what you have down in Syracuse. Yeah. If, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Right. Uh, Larry Brooks is reporting that the Rangers are expected to sign defenseman Patrick Nemeth in free agency on Wednesday. Nemeth played with Detroit and then got traded at the deadline. Like, oh, he got traded to Colorado. That's where he yes. Um, so Ross, what do you think? What do you feel about that one? That's a depth signing. Well, I'm looking up his size. He's six. He's a big boy. Let's see. Six, three. So he's six, three yeah. all day long, Mike. Um, he is an analytics. <laughs> darling. He, is an anal- he is an analytics darling. I know that for a fact he's useful, but I mean, it, it's not going to make or break their season. And he, it's not going to be the added toughness that every team wants to have that they think is going to change the game. The real test here with the Rangers will be when they sign Ryan Reeves on Wednesday. Then we'll be like, okay, this is when they're going to go overboard on their getting tough because of Tom Wilson. So when they sign Ryan Reeves, then we can circle back to this conversation. Well, Reeves is under contract for one more. Oh, is he? Okay. Someone yeah. said he was going to trade for him. I think they'll, they'll trade for him. Then. Yeah. They'll, they'll trade somebody skilled for him. Um, now, let, let's talk about the goaltenders because that seems to be the – What's going on here in terms of the the the, the trade? Uh, you know, just the, the the hot stove in terms of where you know the the musical chairs of where one goalie is going to go. The interesting thing to start off here was uh, Pierre LeBrun reporting that the Leafs have not even tabled an offer for Freddie Anderson uh, forty eight hours before the uh, the start of free agent frenzy. And Anthony, what my belief is is that they're not going to oh, that. They're not they going would have to done make, it already. They would have done it already. Right. They're not going to make an offer. They're going to yeah. say, "Okay, Freddie, go out in the market, see what you can get, and come back to us." And if, if you know, if you get five million dollars a year someplace, God bless you. Michael, it wouldn't surprise me if they 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 sent him out on his merry way, and Toronto signs it, and, and, and Toronto actually signs him somebody else before he well, gets back it, it, Russ, I mean, I, maybe they sent a fax, Mike, and the fax got jammed on the other end. We don't know. <laughs> no, this isn't. Uh, it's not Phil uh, Esposito. This isn't Kyle Wanvig <laughs> or or uh, who the hell was the other one? Well, Mike Mike Keenan did it to uh, to the Rangers. He yeah, said to the Flags, but that's a while ago. My friend Bill Waters, uh, when he was an interim general manager, he submitted uh, Jared Stoll. They, they Jared Stoll yes. had not been signed, and they sub they had they, they had traded for him, and they missed the deadline by two minutes because the fax machine got jammed. <laughs> Um, now, okay, I, I, I that what you just said is very possible, uh, Anthony. If they find a deal that they now, I wrote in my blog today, the price, even though the collection of free agents is not the greatest, the price is going to get ramped up because there are so many teams looking for goaltenders. Philly is looking for a for a a tandem uh, goalie. Toronto is maybe Boston is if, if they they want to have a veteran to back up either Swayman or Vladar. Um, we you know Rask is probably not going to be available. Yeah, Boston's set, Mike. Move on. 
Well, I mean, if they, if they want to go with Vladar and Swayman. Oh, no, Swayman's their guy, man. Okay, you know that. God, God bless you. Swayman's um, their guy, and I think Rask is staying. Well, 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 yes, but if it, it depends on whether they sign or not. Uh, um, Washington is looking for a backup now that they've lost Vanacek to, to uh, Seattle. Um, uh, Vancouver is looking to move Braden Holtby. Uh, so there's, you know, there's the UFAs out there like Auntie Ranta. I mean, they, they, there's a lot of m- missing. And I know, and just speaking with regards to Holtby, I know Philly has certainly been in contact with Vancouver. About but the problem Holtby. is the cap hit. The cap, again, Va- Vancouver wants them to take on the full cap hit, and Flyers not about, Flyers not going to do that. So, But I, I can tell you, I know for a fact that they have had conversations with Vancouver about Holtby. Yeah. Now I would say this. I I think this is where a team like Philly is going to be at a disadvantage because the teams with the most cap space are going to overpay a little bit for the goalie they feel fits their spot exactly right. And if Philly has designs on one of those guys, I think Philly is not going to be able to choose who they want. I think they're going to have to take who's still out there. I think there's another. I think there's also and a name that was brought up uh, was uh, Laurent Brossard from uh, from from Winnipeg. As okay. a possibility, I, he's I think, a decent kid, but I don't know. I think it would be a few. It would be a few. It would be probably a few levels down uh, if other options yeah. are off the table. Yeah. Brasson is a, is a is not a one B. I think he's no. No, he would be a third. Again, in this case, yeah. a thorough backup. He's right. backing up Hellebuck. It was a backing up Hellebuck. And that being said, he did a pretty decent job when yeah. he went to oh, Winnipeg. I mean, anybody going obviously from after after what's happening in Edmonton seems to be doing better. Yeah, listen, if Boussois gets to be the Philly guy, I'll air my interview with him. He's a great kid. Yeah. I have one from years ago. But the thing is, Ant, he really can't play a ton of games. Uh, no, can- and, I, and again, right now we know that Philly is basically advertised. Almost like felt like a LinkedIn with uh, with Chuck Fletcher saying <laughs> yeah. thirty thirty to thirty five percent of the starts. I'm like, yeah, here's here. Here we go. This is what you're looking for. Yeah, Carolina has three unrestricted free agent goaltenders. And here, uh, everybody come close here. Three unrestricted guys means you have no goalie for next year. It doesn't. They have a plan, Mike. Yeah, they have a plan. They're supposed plan, to. Gonna, no, the plan's happening. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, but but see that that so the competition uh, is re- really. I mean, there's a there's not a ton of gold, and this this is the thing. Arizona supposedly is still shopping Darcy Kemper. They have no other goalie, and there's I mean, no goalie who's played NHL games in their. I have a weird feeling Kemper's ending up. I don't know why I have had this gut feeling that Kemper's going to end up in Carolina. I I don't know. I don't I know. A, I got a strange. It's that's that's their that's their move. I just I, I think I'll be wrong. And you everybody in the chat, if you want to call me out on it, when 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 he goes when he either gets moved elsewhere, it's fine. Now, it was the last time they paid have, four million dollars for a goalie. This may be the moment in this case. What if they? Here's the deal. They miss out on Hamilton, and Hamilton goes to New Jersey. Yeah, then they might do it. <laughs> well, I mean. There's yeah. been a lot. There's been a lot of talk about Carolina being interested in Freddie Anderson going back a couple years. So, mm-hmm. but they'd have to pay him five. They'd have to pay yes. him five million bucks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Here. Okay. Here. And I will say this: I retweeted after that, Mike, to show him a man of my word, and I put buyer beware. Yeah. Here. Okay. Here are the top. I would say five or six unrestricted goalies: Anderson, Grubauer, Ranta, Allmark, uh, Mrazek, Bernier. Reimer, those are the unrestricteds. I, I would take Bernier over Ronta. I was going to say, I would, I was going to say, I would slot Bernier higher. Yeah, than where you had. Yeah, Ronta to me with the injuries, he goes way low. That's now. big. Yeah, that's a, that's the problem. Ronta's got to, again when he's physically right, 
Absolutely, but he yeah. that's few and far between. The guy I like in that group, and maybe you know, there's been speculation that he's going to resign in Buffalo, but the guy I like is Linus Allmark. Now I have a feeling oh, David, is also David Riddick also now available. Yeah, Riddick, but I I, I put him. I in think the, he's like 12 out of the. 13 yeah. goals. 13 yeah. out of the 12 goals. Fl- Flamester yeah. in the chat is like, hey, you forgot Riddick. Like, yeah, you know, no, no, we didn't really forget him. We didn't really forget him. We just didn't put him at the top level. He's just um, not what he was two years ago. Now, in terms of terms of goalies that are that are pro- that are rumored to be on the market, Kemper, uh Holtby, Tristan Jari for Pittsburgh, but that's only if nobody's uh, taking Tristan Jari. That's only that's only if Pittsburgh gets, say, Flurry or some. No, I think somebody who's desperate for a goaltender might take Tristan Jari. I don't know. And we have to take into account also when it comes to Holby. Holby could very well they very well might buy him out. They could, and then he'll be on. I don't that. think they're going to buy him out because I don't think that ownership group will do that to just make him available to somebody. They would hold on to a unless lot of spite. They have a pl- unless they have some uh, one of the one of these other goalies on the market. I don't think they do. Well, he, he, here here's the case against buying them out. They have a young goalie in their system, Michael DiPietro. They could always use him yeah. if they had to. Here here's the but case. I don't think that's their plan. Here's the case against buying them out. His contract was back was backloaded. So uh, oh, we we also for did we mention Yaro Halak? I didn't know he, he's high oh, up there. Another one is going to be high up there as well. I wouldn't be, yes. That's another one for Phil. That's that, why that, I suggested that's, for Carolina. Now, okay. yeah, the con the contract was back backloaded five point seven million this year. Um, they they would save three point eight million on the cap if they bought him out this year. But then there's a one point nine million dollar cap hit for uh for Vancouver next year. So. I don't know how willing they are to push two million dollars to next year. Um, you know, they might. I think they would probably probably be better off retaining, a, say, a million bucks, making them a three, three, three and a half million dollar goaltender, and they might get somebody who would be interested. I, I like I said, I think Toronto might be interested in him because he's a veteran guy. But it's all a question of whether he still believes he's a starter or not, and he's not. So, but yeah, I, I think, I think that there's gonna be a lot of interesting moves, uh, involving the goaltending over the next week or so. Um, uh, and just to, just to finish off here, Sam Bennett signs a four year deal, uh, 4.175 million with the Panthers. They got a deal. Uh, that's a great deal. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I was for, you know, I, I was a big Bennett supporter when he was in Calgary and struggling. I thought he just needed to get out of Calgary, and he played really well down the stretch for uh, Florida Russ and not, and in the well in the playoffs too. So that's a good deal. Yep, it is. And if anybody wants to know what I feel about Atirati, just follow my tweet. It's up on Twitter. Yep. All right, guys. Good show. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for the departed Kevin Allen for Russ Cohen, who just departed as well. <laughs> I, he got zipped. Wow. Jeez. What did I say, Ross? What the hell? For Anthony Mangione, the only one who has the common decency to stick around, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. <laughs>